there is no secret formula for scaling customer support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new HubSpot Service Hub, bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with AI-powered help desk, all so you can keep customers happy. Secrets out. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. One of the things you can do in these kind of times is like maybe there's ability to take on more risk because again, the mm-hmm. downside is so much more kind of negated. And then you have to figure out is like, where am I going to play offense versus defense? And I think we're going to go into a period of time where everyone is going to play defense to some degree. And that is the right thing to do. Like keep burned down, keep core channels operating, try to like solve for short-term demand, short-term revenue. Yeah. But there's going to be some opportunities for certain companies to play offense because everyone else is pulling back. And I think that's what I would be thinking through. I would be like drawing my boxes of like, okay, like where do we need to play defense? But is there anywhere that we're going to take some bets and play offense so we come out of the next two years in a much healthier spot? Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain. I am your co-host, Kip Bodner. I am joined as always by my friend and co-host, Kieran Flanagan. And Kieran... The world is crumbling around us. What are we going to do? Uh, one of the interesting things is, did you see Elon tweeted that Twitter users had spiked? Like, I, I honestly think that the the counterintuitive thing there is the worse the world is, the better for Twitter. <laughs> because people actually just want to go yeah. on and scroll, right? Like, I, I find myself scrolling a lot. I try to, like, be pretty diligent with my Twitter usage. But this week, I definitely would like scroll in the midterms. I was fascinated by the FTX thing. The FTX thing, again, I don't, there's a lot of great information and content on Twitter about it. But basically, you could just distill this down into making your own money and borrowing against uh, magic money is not a good thing. Because at some points, people want their money back and you don't actually have anything. So uh, I think it's really good for Twitter. So I, I think it comes back to, do you have like an underlying theses and first principles about why you have conviction about this thing. So let's say you are today, and I I actually talked to some people in Web3 yesterday, everyone is feeling in that industry really, really bad. Like this is kind of their Lehman brother moment. They really don't know how bad it's going to be. And so like, if you think about Web3, like what are some of the underlying principles? If you do believe in it, you can either believe or not. I'm actually not trying to like promote Web3, but I'm just saying that for the people who believe in it, they really believe you know, in the in a completely new system of ownership, right? Digital ownership. They yes. they believe in being able to hold your own money. They really believe in a radically different kind of incentive structure and in the way that you can incentivize people through tokens and through the all, all of these different things. And they kind of really believe in decentralized decentralization as a service, right? That there's no one like decentralized Twitter. Then there's no actual governing body who can dictate free speech. Whether and we don't need to argue if that's no. a good thing or a bad thing, but that's just like one of the underlying principles. And so then when you look at what happened this week, you think to yourself, has any of those principles changed or not? And that's how I kind of think about it is like any of the underlying reasons I believe in this thing. And that's from, we can, we should get into some marketing examples, but basically that's like the underlying principles. The thing that happens when things are going really well, whether that be in your personal life, in your work life, in, in society, you get scared to change, right? You're like, hey, things are going really well for me. I want to hold on to this. And I kind of want to just slowly increment and build on this good thing that's happened to me. And that's awesome. And you should do it. But the, the counter to that is when things are tough, 
whether for you, your career, the business or, or society world, that is the opportunity to say, huh, I now have the opportunity to make a radical change. Right. Because yes. my downside is actually very small. Like exactly. things, things, things are going pretty bad. Nobody expects anything good to happen. Right. And so what I should actually do is take way more risk. Because if I fail, I'm just going to be lumped in with all these other people who failed. And it's largely going to get written off to like this bad macro environment that we can't control. But if I crush it, I'm a legend. And, you know, and it's like your opportunity to be a legend is actually not much harder than when times were good. You know, like the degree of difficulty doesn't go up that much, but the the downside risk changes dramatically. Right. It's why they say recessions are a great time to build businesses. Like obviously part yes. of your cost structure goes down, but like I think one of the things we're going to talk about is the amount of layoffs in tech has just been unbelievable. But how Literally many of unbelievable. people go start companies, right? There's just a higher yeah. percentage of people. Okay, I used to have this like really great job, really well paid, but now I'm like, oh, well, I don't have that anymore. So like maybe I've always wanted to start a business. And now I actually have the opportunity to start a business because I don't have that job and I decide to do that. Now, that is not to take away from the fact that losing your job is horrible. Terrible, horrible. Um, for, there is lots of people who do not want to start a business and just want a, you know, a stable job. And I think everyone is just deserving of that. But that's why you see a lot of companies, I think, get created in, in the bad times. Well, yeah, and, and it rebalances supply demand. Like, the, you know, Facebook laid off 11,000 people. Facebook was overpaying, Facebook slash Meta was overpaying for talent. And so earlier stage companies couldn't afford you know, developers and certain employees because they would go to these bigger companies. And now that that supply demand is coming back in balance, we should see a generation of more sustainably built companies with more balanced compensation costs, growth costs, and everything. And advertising costs as, as competition for ad dollars go down. Like all of that is going to be a net positive. And by the way, we're recording this pod on Thursday, November 10th. Right before we got on the pod, we got the U.S. inflation data. U.S. inflation was lower than expected. Like we might might be starting to turn the corner a little bit. And this is the time where you want to, as a person or as a strategist, as a marketer, really start thinking about how do I lean in to the opportunity of coming out the other side of the 6, 12, 18 months from now in a really, really positive place. Tell everybody how you are thinking about, you know, coming out the other side of all this crap you do and just how you deal with it in like on a day-to-day basis. So if you're a marketer, you know, one of the one of the things for marketers, like now is a great time to take more risks. Like it's like, how do I play offense and defense? And so one of the problems we have in business in general, but definitely in marketing is we have a lot of data. And so we iterate our way to like very small marginal gains because we think about what is the worst that can happen if we do something that we have no historical context to tell us if it works or not. Well, the worst that can happen is I can fall on my face. And there's a really great story. I don't know if you know the story of Amazon and how they created Prime. And so mm-hmm. Amazon, they kind of hit this growth ceiling and they were really struggling to grow and they did this user research. And the reason that people were either not using the platform or not buying more often on the platform is, is shipping fees, right? People hate hated shipping fees. They had like they hated. this the horrible reaction to shipping fees. It was just like intrinsically something they hated. And so they went through the iterations. They went through the iterative step of, well, they showed you in checkout that if you bought that plus shipping fees, it's still cheaper than your local store. It doesn't work. People didn't care doesn't that they hate shipping. 
Then the second iteration was they would show something else in the chat guide to like try to try to show you like, hey, the shipping fee thing is oh that actually they they did free shipping for orders over twenty five dollars, which I thought this was super interesting. Like it's an iterative step, but it sounds like pretty logical and sensible. What actually happened is order frequency went down because. People were waiting, so they had over $25 to get free shipping. And so then they just made a leap, right? They played offense and they said, well, we'll just do the subscription service for people who want to buy things. And Prime was really the thing that changed the trajectory of the company. And so I think one of the things you can do in these kind of times is like, maybe there's ability to take on more risk because again, the Mm -hmm. downside is so much more kind of negated. And then you have to figure out, it's like, where am I going to play offense versus defense? And I think we're going to go into a period of time where everyone is going to play defense to some degree. And that is the right thing to do. Like keep burned down, keep core channels operating, try to like solve for short-term demand, short-term revenue. But there's going to be some opportunities for certain companies to play offense, like that I can play offense in certain spots because everyone else is pulling back. And I think that's what I would be thinking through. I would be like drawing my boxes of like, okay, like where do we need to play defense and where do we need to be really good? there and then but is there anywhere that we're going to take some bets and play offense so we come out of the next two years uh in a much healthier spot i completely agree with that and i, I think if you think about the timeline of all of this it's very important right i think the timeline of this is really kind of started in like may june of this year of 2022 and it's probably you know through the end of next year will be the kind of the full timeline and one of the things that i feel like has best served me in my life is being very honest with myself about kind of like worst possible scenarios. You know, you, you could always die, terrible things could always happen, but they're unlikely, right? Like what's the most like likely scenario? And so what was interesting, right? I, I joined HubSpot at the very beginning of, of 2010. And so you had the 2008 collapse and the job market was terrible, the economy was terrible. And kind of at the end of 2009, early 2010 is when things started normalizing. And that becomes a really big and important time in the world. There are a lot of amazing businesses during that period of time that were founded, built, or hit the next stage of growth through that period of time. And I think we're going to see the same thing happen. But I remember I was thinking about taking the HubSpot job. And at that point, HubSpot was like 100 people. It was a startup, you know, high probability that you're just going to run out of money and fail, right? And I thought to myself, I was like, oh, I'm going to move. I'm going to do all this stuff. The worst thing that can happen is I have to live with my parents. Like, I remember having that thought, you know, it's like, oh, I have to live with my parents and probably for like, I don't know, a year. Like, <laughs> am I willing to live with my parents for a year if I think this, like, is there enough upside in this situation? And I was like, oh, you know what? Like that, that downside is not that bad, right? Like right. it's not awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't want to do that. But, and, and thankfully mom and dad, that didn't have to happen. But like, that's what I thought was going to happen. I was like, oh, worst case scenario, like if my parents have an extra bedroom, we could live there for a little while and like, that that would happen, right? And yeah. so that's a wild thing to think about. But I don't. I think it's a step most people forget in their journey, right. you know. And it could be the personal thing you think about, which is like, oh, what's the worst thing that can happen to me? Or it could be in your business or in your marketing strategy. What is the worst if I try this thing? Amazon, another good example of this, has has a classic framework of whether a decision is bet the company or not bet the company is one axis of the two by two. And the other axis of this two by two is, is it permanent or can you roll it back, mm. right? 
And this is the right, I think this is like probably my favorite two by two that ever has existed in life. And you and I love two by twos. We talk about them a lot. But the real quadrant there you have to worry about is like, oh, it's a bet my life, bet the company thing. And I can't roll it back, right? Like that, that is the only scenario right. out of the four that you really have to obsess about. If it's a bet the company and you can roll it back, you're okay. If it is, you can't roll it back, but it, you, you don't have to bet the company, that's okay. If it's a easy to roll back and it's not betting the company, that's easy to deal with. It is really just betting the company and you can't roll it back, you can't change right. it, right? And right. I think that's the right heuristic for all of us to think about during this period of time that is really tough and really challenging. Right. Some of the most impressive people for just having a strategy and a way of doing something and not really thinking about the consequences, like they stick diligently to that strategy are yes. actually poker players. Oh, like, tell me more. One of the things I find fascinating is just like how poker players can disconnect themselves from how much money they're actually playing for. So I watch, <laughs> so I sometimes watch like the biggest pots that I've ever been played live uh, yeah. online or on TV. And there's like pots that are worth, you know, cash games, you know, making a call to, call down a pot of about 4 million and that's, this person has 2 million in and 2 million of their own money. And so they have a game strategy that has underlying principles. Like yes. basically if I if I think you have X and I have Y, the odds, there's a certain amount of money in the pot that makes sense that I should call. Even if the probability is like you are going to win, but because I'm getting such good odds to call, then X number of times I will be right. And so it's worth me calling. Yes. And, the, and, you, and you're doing that with like, this is like $2 million <laughs> of my money, right? You're like, it doesn't totally. matter. Like I, ha I have a game strategy. So it's like part intuition, part numbers, mm -hmm. but you stick rigidly to your, to those things and don't really think about like, you know, the, the consequences of that or you, or you don't, you don't get affected by the consequences of that. Then it's kind of really interesting, right? It's, it comes all the way back to like, do I have like a, do I have a belief system that says, this is how I should do this. These are the reasons why. And this is how I think about that thing. And then all of the noise around that doesn't really matter because I stick diligently to that strategy. I stick diligently to the reasons I believe in that thing. They're a fascinating breed of people, booker players. Well, I think there's a really important takeaway for everybody from that. It's like the reason they're fascinating people is because they're not sitting down and playing one round or one hand of cards. They're playing right. it's thousands of hands yeah. of cards, but it's not iteration. It's the probabilities that they're playing, right? Mm -hmm. right. The right, reason right. that the dissonance that humans have is like, oh, there's real risk in this because I'm only going to do it one time. Like if you bet a million dollars playing poker and you're playing, doing it on one hand, wow, that there, there's a crazy amount of risk. If you spent a million dollars playing poker over the course of a thousand hands, like at scale, probability always equals out. Right? right. And if you and if you're playing the probabilities, you have to play a long game. Game. And right. in tough, challenging times, the thing that normally happens is people stop playing up the long game. They say, Oh, I'm gonna take a quick swing at this, mm, or I'm gonna yes. ignore this, or I'm only gonna focus on what I need to do the next 90 days. The short-term focus is okay, but I think the real key to success here is having that short-term focus with an eye to the long term saying like, oh, right. I'm not doing this thing that is counter to my beliefs and what I think is going to work long-term. It's still aligned with my long-term, but I, I I just know what the pressure and the challenges I have to have like a, a shorter-term view on it. And I think the companies and the, the people that are going to be the most successful are going to be the ones that do that. That's the main thing going into the downturn is the balance between short-term, which I think will all skew towards defense yes. and short-term, which again, makes total sense. But I think what you're arguing for is there still has to be some long-term 
plan, right? They still need yes. to be like, okay, well, like these are still the things that are core to us being a successful business. And so we're going to ring fence the investment, ring fence the team to make sure we continue to invest in those things. And maybe it's the less than what you were invested in over the course of the last couple of years when things are really great, but it's still like the things that are fundamental to your success. Well, I want to ask you a controversial question about that. And maybe you will, and I will agree or disagree. But let's say we will use the TikTok example, short form video, for example. I think we have a set of first principles as humans that you and I, we believe that that is going to be a future critical medium of how people communicate. It's grown dramatically. It's probably going to have some bumps, but that's going to be, be really important. In this tough and challenging time, when you have that belief, do you, do you stick with it? Or do you actually even double down? Like, do you go harder? Or do you adjust to the time? Like, oh, I still believe this, but we're going to invest a little bit less in this area because things are tough. Or actually, I really believe in this. And because things are tough, I have a better advantage and I need to double down. I'm in the double right. down camp. Like if you deeply believe in something, this is when you, you double down when there is deep skepticism on something. I would love to think I'm in the double down. I think if, <laughs> I, totally put myself, not, if I put myself in that situation, I'm like, I need to hit numbers, like whatever the core, I guess what I, I would say is like, I thought about, I've actually been thinking about this. I think I would do like, I still think it's like 80, 20, right? 80% of my efforts are mostly going to be focused on short term. How do I keep lights on and make sure the things that need to be successful each and every month are. And then we ring fence some of the things for the larger long-term bets. Like we, we went through this and some of the kind of media things that we were investing in. There's like you and I talked about, hey, like this is, we really built something here. And so we really want to keep the momentum yes. going in there. Even though like when you get into the recession, it's like, how do I invest in every, every dollar? I need to have some sort of measurable return on that dollar. And then there's some things you want to invest in that it's not as clear on the return, but you truly believe this is the differentiating thing, yeah. the way you differentiate. I think that's really, that's the really hard thing is, how do you still invest in the things where you? it's not the slot machine where you can see the dollar go in and the $3 come immediately back out, but it's like the dollar goes in and then at some point in the future, like you- A hundred dollars comes out. It's a hundred. It's not the lotto winner in the US. Mother, I wouldn't say the word, who won <laughs> so billion. This. Oh my God. Like, can you imagine the US government sitting there taking a billion of that cash going, woohoo, they, they get left with 900 million, stole a good life. You've got more than Sam, the founder of FTX. But, uh, <laughs> ouch, ouch. but uh, so I think I would probably pull back a little bit, but I would still want to make sure I ring fence some things for my long-term bets. Okay. You know, I'm not that far off with you, but I'm probably, I'm probably 70, 30 versus 80, 20. Like, I just want to make sure that my long-term bets that I have deep conviction about I want to have enough in there to see like, oh, because of these dynamics, the, the, the real thing I'm, I'm trying to get for everybody, you know, listening today is like, sometimes when there's, when things are bad, there's less competition. And when things are, when there are less competitions, you can be more successful and go faster. And so I want enough investment to see, is that true? Like, is the competition decreased in whatever strategy, in this case, we're talking about TikTok, short term video, is that decreased enough where I get this unexpected velocity of improvement. And if so, that is that is actually the moment I want to double down. I want right. to keep enough invested to figure that out. And if I hit that escape velocity, then it's like, great, how do I double down on that to the extent that is possible and really ride that wave of success and use that as fuel and growth for my business? I agree with that. I think that's the way to think about it is like when you've found something that works, it's not time to kind of like, that is the difference between true success and average success is 
oh, I'm, I'm like, again, it comes back to conviction. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I see, I see this is working. Now is the time to like accelerate this, win here, double down. I think that's the right well, way to and, I, and, and Kieran, I think the opposite of that is true. I think if you are a leader listening, the one thing I would, I would call out for everybody is like, it's easy to like play the victim. Like, oh no, terrible things are happening to me. I can't do my job well. We can't be successful. All of those things. And it's easy to lose sight of just like, oh, this is what we believe and we're going to do this and see how it works. It's like, oh no, I have now have excuses for why things won't work. Mm. And that to me mm. is unacceptable. Like the red flag here in any of this is if you have people that you're working with that are playing the victim card. Oh, that because of this, I can't do. You might say, hey, I'm doing this and it's going well. It's going less well than we thought because of these impacts. But we're still like focused, making progress and feel good about the long-term trajectory of this. It's the people that raise their hands like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Like they literally like drive me bonkers. Like I do think you have to have a sense of the kind of external factors and the internal factors if you're suffering from a slowdown it's like the things you can control and the things you cannot control but still have world-class execution against like the things you can't control because there are admittedly some things that you just cannot control and you have to be cognizant of that if you're managing a team that come in with like worse numbers but they're Mm -hmm. like we're executing really well we're you know we're still in the same doing the same things we're even more visible than we used to be we're just seeing less numbers i think that is going to happen for companies I agree with that. I think, let me tell you something else that I think is going to happen. I think you're going to see unlikely allies form. And this is a very important, I've I've got a story, another crazy thing that happened this week that you probably didn't see, Kieran, but we did an awesome episode. I thought it was awesome. I enjoyed it about what we would do if we were CMO for Major League Pickleball, which is this emerging sport. And there are two rival pickleball leagues, Major League Pickleball, and I I forget, it's like Allegiant Pickleball or, or something like that. They merged this week. They came together to build one league so they could focus on media rights and streaming and all all the stuff you and I talked about on the pod as as we kind of gave them ideas. But when things are tough, you kind of put your pride aside and say, oh, what is actually the best path forward? And that might be bringing companies together. Like in, in this story, this example, it might be partnering with companies in new and different ways that you wouldn't have otherwise done. And I think, you know, just like any time, if you are open and receptive during these crazy times, I think there's going to be opportunities for some amazing partnerships and deals to be done. I agree. I think we're going to do a whole episode on potential M&A deals. (laughs) People people are going to love that one. I think there's going to be just a lot of strategic partnerships and different things that we see happen over the next 12 months because of of, of the world that we live in today. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. If you're one of those people out there who has gotten laid off or you are worried that you're in a situation where that might be happening to you soon, like what is your advice to them? Like, what would you tell them to do? Oh boy. I, yes, I put him on the spot, everyone. I think that, um, again, coming back to underlying principles, the world will be more digital in two years than it is today. Like most people are being laid out yes. of tech, right? Live, yes. we, we, we're, we're building some form of like the digital ecosystem. The world would be much more digital in two years than it is today. The world would be way more digital in five years than it is today. Mm-hmm. So I think the skills and talents that everyone has are going to be valuable. I think there will be, you know, a choppy waters for 12 months, but I think now is the time to use that time to really think about what you want to do next. Like in, when you're in tech, you tend to like, 
go, 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 go. And you're moving from the next thing to the, yeah. the, the next thing. And I come back, I think I mentioned this in the pod before, which I'm always kind of inspired by like fighters and the way that they have camps and then they have like yeah. playtime. You know, you could think about this again, not in no way being flippant about the, you know, mm-hmm. money situation people, but like Very leave, all that to one side, leave all that to one side. You can think of this as your playtime. Like how, how can I spend this time doing some things that I enjoy doing, that I can learn some new skills, that I can, you know, create that app or build that newsletter or really master these things and be very thoughtful about the company that I want to go to work next. Because without doubt, this is a period in time, tech is going to be much more important in three years, five years, 10 years than it is today. And people with true skills are going to always have uh, great opportunities. Yeah. Well, let, let me tell you about the thing that I did that changed my life, which was, you know, in that 2008 recession, I was I didn't have much money, was just trying to grind it out. And I made one strategic choice. I said, the internet is going to change how people do marketing, but it hasn't yet. And because it hasn't yet, everybody is at the same level of learning. And if I could learn as fast or faster than everyone else, I will be successful. That is the model here. Look around, find something, whether it be in marketing or in a different profession that you believe deeply is going to grow and be more important, not less important in the future. And that a ton of people don't know much about and become an expert on that in your free time. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have to do crappy work to pay bills and do all that stuff. I did that. But in building that skill set, you get to be an expert faster and you get to be expert in, it's the compounding effect of being an expert faster in something that is going to grow and compound very quickly. That is the fastest way that you can change the trajectory of your life. I, I, I firmly believe. The, the second I, thing that I think you have to do is it kind of alluding to your boxing and fighter example. You need to have one person in your life who has, who has perspective for you, right? Because mm. things are going to be really tough and you are going to have days where you don't believe you have day, you're going to have days where you get really frustrated and really sad and you need somebody in your life to tell you, Hey, what you're doing is right. Or you need your, what you're doing is right, but you need to approach it slightly differently or it's okay to have a bad day or, Hey, I believe in you. You need somebody, at least one person, hopefully more, but at least one person who can help you kind of get out of your own head. Because when things are really tough, it is very easy to get in your own mind and overthink and be overcritical of yourself in the situation. And so having that external perspective is super valuable. Yeah, I wish I had someone that had perspective when I was buying my additional Solana this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was here, man. You could have you, 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 you you you. WhatsApp me and I would have been like, I'm going to really? buy some more Solana. Really? 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 You you think this is a good idea? (laughs) Follow me for dope trading tips at SearchBrad on Twitter. Soon to be blue check verified when I get my blue check. When Elon gives it to us Irish, always last with you. Yeah, the the good folks in Ireland can never never buy anything. Okay. So we've we've talked about the crazy, what I think one of the craziest weeks I remember in life. And so we did did kind of a strange episode today because it was like, I don't know how we just don't talk about the the madness that the world has felt like for like the last three to four days. And one, I think it's important to acknowledge it, but two, it's like, what we try to do is like, talk about how we are dealing with it and how we're going to deal with it and what we we think other people should do and other businesses and other companies should do. Do you have any parting, parting shots, parting advice? Anything you felt like we missed in this like crazy week? I feel like I just want to go like have a glass of wine and go to bed and it's like 10 a.m. 
Yeah, I, I think um, follow people on Twitter who are positive, somewhat positive in their outlooks. Like I actually share a good perception. Try not to doom scroll. Social media, the point you made earlier is really why social media has been so, it gets had a lot of positives, but has has such a, a lot of negatives in that people who have had trauma, people who are suffering from depression and anxiety, it gives you an outlet to kind of like reinforce those things or it's like, mm-hmm. one, it, it's just, it's just, it can actually reinforce the way that you feel, right? And and, yes. and I, I, I've, I've had my struggles with anxiety. I know what it feels like to have depression. And so you actually really need to be careful and cultivate a really great feed for yourself on those places. And so that's one of the things that, uh, that I think we all can kind of try to do. Yeah, what, what, I, what I would say to build on what Kieran would say, my, my, my party shot here is surround yourself with perspectives different than yours. And that might mean connecting with different people online. That might be changing the source of information you read. That might mean going to a different part of the town that you live in and meeting and, and working with new and different people. That might mean traveling and seeing someplace new that does things very different. But that perspective will help reset how you think about it and get you out of this negativity echo chamber that has, has kind of existed, especially over the last six months, but is being made worse and worse by the news, the social, and the, the different cycles that are happening out there. And your job is to pull yourself out. Like I basically watch zero news. Like one of the radical things, mm. like I assume that I will figure I'm out something close. if it's, if it's like super, super important, I will literally watch zero yeah. news because me too. I, do, I have yet to figure out a way it is additive in my life in any way. Right. The only time I watched the news was to figure out or to keep a track of Liz Truss versus the lettuce. That's <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. You like, love the, the UK lettuce and it's drama. Yeah, I love like that was the, one of the best marketing campaigns. So I really wanted to know if the lettuce outlasted this trust and it did. It's up so, against Twitter now. They have the stream with the lettuce versus Twitter. <laughs> I love that. That's a, that's a brilliant idea. What I, what I would say is I'd ask everybody, leave us a comment on YouTube or leave us a review at Apple Podcasts and tell us what you're doing to basically persevere and change how you're thinking through this crazy, crazy time that we're all living through right now. I think we could all learn from each other. I would love to learn from you all. I hope that you found our discussion and just, if anything else, cathartic. Uh, it was it felt good for me. I think it felt good for you, Karen. And we'll be back with everybody very soon on Marketing Against the Grain. Bye.